Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 180. On this episode, I have an incredible conversation with Brad Garcia of the band Locket. Um, huge shout out to him for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Uh, but also, I think this band, if it wasn't already on your radar, needs to be. Um, we talked a lot about kind of the formation slash reintroduction of this band, the realignment, um, and how Locket is an extension of a prior project, but also an entirely new thing. Some of the topics that we got into on this episode were uh, Brad and I talking about the pandemic, how getting older and having a quote-unquote adult life uh, affects touring and making music and things like that. Um, Talked about the partnership that they have with Fearless Records and just a ton of other shit. It was a great conversation. Really thankful for Brad uh, taking the time to have that conversation with me. So, I think they need to be on your radar, like I said, but for now, let's dive into my conversation with Brad Garcia of the band Locket. <laughs> to start things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. Sorry. Simple introduction, man. Uh, who are you? A little background on yourself and and kind of the band. Uh, my name's Brad. I sing, play guitar, do production stuff in Locket. Um and then, yeah, as for the band, I know that's a pretty boring, self-explanatory thing, but uh, for for the band, um, we've been around as Locket for not too long, like pre-pandemic, essentially, uh, mm-hmm. which was putting a record out in 2019, right before shit hit the fan, was probably everyone's worst nightmare. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, preceding that, uh, we went under a different name, uh, which was safe to say. And okay. uh, yeah, part of the pop punk emo hardcore adjacent world um we did warp tour we'd gone to europe you know toured the states a bunch um so yeah it's it's kind of been like the rebirth of yeah that band uh since i guess 2019 yeah awesome um let's talk about that a little bit because i'm i think you know even though we're a few years removed quote unquote yeah. from the pandemic and everything that shit was was on the music industry like it was hard everywhere right Mm -hmm. but the music industry like there was a legitimate chance that live music was never coming back based (laughs) on this what was that like like you said you know putting out a record and like ready to hype it up ready to get out on tour and then the world kind of going hey fuck you you're sitting at home yeah i mean like we put the record out in october of 2019 so it came out maybe the day or two into a, a full us tour that we were already doing um so thankfully we did get you know at least like 30 shows in, yeah uh when that momentum was like at its height um and then in january i forget when in january but at some point in january 2020 we did a string of shows with home safe and at that time we were starting to get the news articles like oh there's some like crazy stuff yeah. going on in other parts of the world um and then, you know, it turns into this thing where we all thought it was going to be a week or a month or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think my other band, we played like a small, like an intentional small room show the day before all the lockdowns in our country happened. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty crazy. But it was just, yeah, it was weird. It was like we had all this momentum 
kind of like how we've been doing this album release uh where it's like you don't just pick two singles and hope people listen to the record because we're lesser known it's more like assault the audience with single after single after single yeah. which is really cool um but then to have that just come to an immediate halt and it was like well you're not touring this year or the next year or <laughs> who knows when uh so good luck and figure it out yeah, yeah it's just weird it was it was most shocking getting like the contract for our uh from fearless like mm-hmm. come through being like we're gonna we're gonna say yes to the option and I'm thinking like, okay, that's awesome. But <laughs> like, do you know what's happening in the world right now? Like we can't do anything aside from maybe make some music. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that is, it's so crazy because obviously like a lot of contracts come up all the time, right? Like yep. everybody's on different schedules, whatever. So for, for labels to still say like, we want to, to mm-hmm. hope for the best. Right. And like, we're going to yeah. take that option. We're going to do these things. We're going to, yeah. you know, try to support. But at the end of the day, like even they didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. No. And you know what? Now looking back, it's it's definitely like a wishful thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because, and this is what I've like told like friends and other people I've been talking to on podcasts and stuff, but like they sent us their end of the contract saying, we're on board to do it again. If you are to keep this going. Um, and this is like early on 2020 and we were like, yeah, of course, like this right. relationship so far, let's do it. Not realizing a like shit is going to hit the fan even more than it had beginning of 2020. Um, not realizing how long all the pandemic stuff was going to go on, like yeah. not taking into account. Oh, we're like 27, 28 year old guys with <laughs> girlfriends. And now we are like currently 30 year old men with wives and mortgages and like real yeah. life kind of caught up when music stopped um yeah which now looking back like yeah obviously that stuff it was going to happen but i don't think it was something anyone was actively thinking about at the time it was just like yeah let's resign let's keep this going yeah for sure well you know with you guys being canadian there's several countries that did much more strict lockdowns like the u.s obviously had their moments and depending on the city yeah but canada didn't fuck around with it you guys were kind of like australia like we're closing the fucking borders. Everything is shut down. What was that like to like not even really be able to go out in your neighborhood anymore and see stuff? Um. Okay. So I have like two, or I see it two ways. Like one, like, yeah, it, it seemed extreme at the beginning when it almost wasn't extreme. Like when they were playing right. kids into the school, that's when it hit us. Like, Oh my God, this is like, this is the real deal. This is shit's happening. Um, But to my eyes, like, if we wanted to go do something, we like, there's nothing that I couldn't not do that I was doing previously. And I don't know if it's just like stuff getting lost in translation via the media or the news or whatever, but like, very I, possible. <laughs> I've been to the States since like I did a trip down to Nashville for like production stuff last year. And, you know, every day was a treat in my like lift <laughs> drive. Like, don't know who I'm going to get. And every time someone heard I was from Canada, it was always like, Oh my God, you guys, you're allowed to leave the country. And I'm like, dude, we, we were kind of allowed to do everything. You just had to like, it was this mutual respect thing. Like, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're going into a grocery store, like, yeah, they're going to want you to wear masks because there's like 80 year olds and 90 year olds still right. walking around and stuff like that. But it was never like, at least to me, I don't know. I'm also pretty agreeable. Um, but yeah, I, I never found myself being like, aside from playing shows and touring, there's right. nothing. I was like, Oh fuck. I want to, I want to do this right now, but I can't because of dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Seeing that, that, 
it probably was mainstream media then because that's similar at least in the area that i live like that like fast food places were still open you yeah, know what i mean like you exactly even restaurants were still doing carry out like maybe yep. you can't go sit there but yeah and they did the like dude even in like the height of winter and it was like negative however many degrees they were like bringing outdoor heaters to have like outdoor dining yeah which might have been counterintuitive i don't know <laughs> i well, at least where i was living uh, yeah doing a really good job of making sure it felt as normal as could be yeah uh, which was cool yeah for sure um so talk a little bit then about you know even though you did still have some of those freedoms uh what toll it took on you mentally as you wrote this record and kind of started that next step of like right okay so now we know we can't play shows we know we can't do some of these things yeah but i'm still gonna make music and i don't know what that's gonna look like right so yeah i don't know like the the previous record comes out we do one tour we do one like 10 day run and then that's it um and when we find out that like a we're re-signing uh so we like have to legally put out more music but we also find out that like the likelihood of touring this record we had just released it's like all that opportunity is kind of going down the drain right um and i think i speak for everyone in the band where like yeah we love to gig and play shows i personally don't like aside from the 30 minutes on stage being the you know one right. of four on a tour package or whatever like i fucking hate sitting in the van <laughs> like and people always say oh the drives the drives are awesome I'm like yeah like there's some like if you have rose colored glasses like cool yeah a desert drive yeah. is cool for the six hours you do it out of a whole month on the road like to me most of it sucks and i'm like not having a good time a week into <laughs> a tour and then i get on stage and it's like the best you know right um, so I wasn't necessarily missing like the touring. I was missing playing shows with my friends and and promoting like a body of work we'd just right. worked so hard on. So this time around, um, it was kind of like felt like there was no end in sight with the pandemic stuff. So it was kind of like you guys can start making new music now. There's no sense of like living in this 2019 album cycle era. Like just get on to the next thing. Yeah. And we can take our time with it without uh I don't know, without feeling like bullied or pressured into sharing <laughs> music when we weren't ready, which is like something pre fearless records. We had like found ourselves in those kinds of situations and that's the fucking worst. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Like I think a lot of people might say this, like obviously that time was terrible for everyone in the world for so many reasons. Um, but it, it kind of, I don't know, it allowed us to like breathe a little easier with the way that we like to do things that maybe a label might kind of scratch their heads at or be like, you need two and a half years to make a fucking album. <laughs> like, what are you doing? So that was good. The only thing that was tough is that we're all situated like really far away from each other. Um, Corey, who's our like primary producer, engineer, uh, mixer in the band, mm-hmm. he lives like five hours away from me. He lives seven hours away from our drummer. Like, we're all over the place. So right. that did make it hard. Um, having to kind of like not be a band that's like in a room playing music and have to figure it out over zoom and the computer and sending like Dropbox links and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the biggest challenge was to then when we were finally reunited, I think we went like a whole year without seeing each other. Corey lived in Brazil for a bit, which is, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was kind of like, okay, we have these songs, but like, it definitely sounds like we were not in the room together. Like it's, it sounds like yeah. 
here's Brad's part plugged in. Here's Corey's contribution. Like it didn't feel like a cohesive unit. Um, so then I think it was like spending all of 2021 or 2022, like reworking everything we had spent a year or so doing to make it feel like real music and not just like uh, shit thrown at the wall. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I've heard that from several artists where like during those times where you're trying to build songs and you're not able to be in the, the same room or even as good as Zoom and, mm-hmm. and other things are like, it's not the same as playing no, in that same moment. So like, it's, it goes from like kind of this shitty way of putting Legos together before you can be in the same room. And then when you get in the same room, it's like actually putting together like a jigsaw puzzle where there is a whole picture. This does make sense. It's not just random pieces. Yeah, it was. And I think too, like, I don't know, we're always trying to expand what we do. uh, And like, I'm constantly listening to different types of music, like, when Spotify rap rolls around, it's like, fuck, all right. Oh, yeah, who am I? it's crazy. <laughs> you know, one year it's like, I don't know, if you were to look at it maybe four years ago, it would just be like hardcore bands. And now you look at it, it's like R&B artists. And like, yeah. It's all over the place. So over the course of like, you know, two, three years making a record, when your influence changes, you're constantly like, oh, that demo from 2020 is kind of shit because I'm not into that anymore. Let's, you get demoitis and you start changing yeah. things. And sometimes you end up like completely butchering your song, <laughs> which you've done on more than one occasion. Um, yeah. yeah, that was like a whole other element to it that we hadn't really run into before. Cause we actually had like, we're separated we're on our own. Usually we're like influencing what each of us is listening to. Right. And now I'm like, Oh, Corey was like listening to anime music for three years. Like this is, <laughs> that's where these guitar parts are coming from. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, kind of taking all these new things outside of the band and still trying to make it feel like a locket song or a locket. Right. That was like. I don't, I don't want to say challenging, but it was definitely like a, a learning curve to it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, back to the Spotify rap thing, I always, me and a buddy share ours all the time. Like, obviously I do music journalism, so I'm listening yeah. to all kinds of shit. Yeah. And when he and I first started being friends and whatnot, we used to work together and I sent him mine like probably four or five years ago, whatever. And because it lists like all the little subgenres and whatnot, mm-hmm. or it takes those into account. Yeah, It was saying that I listened to like 300 and something different genres of music. And he's like, I didn't even know there were 300 different genres of music. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. yeah I, it's I think this year. Mine's going to be all over the place. Like I, my day job is like making music for media for like TV commercials and stuff. Yeah. So like my, my playlist that I have, are just like based on <laughs> reference music I get from directors and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. So I know it's not going to be a true reflection of who I am. Yeah. I, uh, I told him, I even thought about at one point thought about splitting it and doing like one of those duo accounts or whatever and have like my personal right. stuff on one and my work stuff on another. And then I was like, it's not fucking worth the hassle. Right. You know, it's funny. My, uh, like our guitarist, Corey, I think him and his wife either like, I don't know if they share a Spotify account or I don't know. Basically when Spotify goes up on the monitor in our studio, he can always see what she's listening to. If she's like at yeah. home or like coming home from work and she truly listens to everything. <laughs> and he'll always say, I don't know, man, it's like, I don't know if it's the Brazilian culture where they just love music and art and everything like that, where it's kind of like, you're not bound to, you know, your social setting or right. Whatever. Um, it's just always a kick. We'll be like talking and he'll interrupt. Like, oh, 
oh, Anna's listening to the Eminem show right now, and then it'll stop. Oh, oh, oh she's listening to System of a Down. <laughs> like, okay. that, that's on. the part that's so much fun is seeing like that type of transition, right? Like, mm-hmm. how did you just go from like a Wu Tang hardcore rap album yeah. to like Taylor Swift? Like, the, where did yeah, that come Taylor from? <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, um, as you guys kind of built this this record, you know, you made the comment earlier pre fearless times. You got that pressure. You know what it's like to be bullied a little bit by by a label and things like yep. that. One of the things I've grown up loving about fearless is all of their bands say the same thing that we have that creative freedom. They yeah. they kind of just give us pointers if we really step out of line, but it's never like a, Hey, you're going to go make a skate punk album. You're going to go make this, whatever. What's that relationship been and like kind of blossomed into now that, you know, you've re-signed and everything. How do you feel they view the band and kind of your trajectory? Um, When they first signed us, uh, there's an AR at the company who's like now just become a very good friend of ours, uh, Jonathan Rigo. And he, mm-hmm. I think, I think he saw like a live session we did as safe to say, and then got, yeah. he was on board ever since then, I guess. <laughs> um, so it's nice to always kind of use him as like a, a bouncing off point. Like, yeah. Hey, you, you mind checking this out? Like not to, not to get the thumbs up or down as to like, can we keep writing this? But just to genuinely be like, Hey, you're a fan of what we do. Like, how do you feel about this? Cause that's something anyone who says they don't think about that is either naive or like foolish right. to not consider what your audience wants to hear. Like still by all means do what you want to do. But uh, yeah, that's, that's been super cool. I think if there's ever been an instance of like, and eh, it's not there yet, that's been the comment as in like maybe push the idea further or right. Cause we're self-produced and engineered and Corey mixes everything for us ourselves and and always has um there's just this like standard i think that the label sees in us that they want to make sure at least with the music that we're hitting which is like i'm sure part of the appeal when they signed us was like oh these guys are self-contained and they can like kind of crush it like they have to do this every time to justify (laughs) the advance and not hiring producers and engineers and co-writes and stuff if they're not going to do that right um so that's been it's been cool like there's no pressure, like I said, to go with a certain timeline. Um, if, if anything, it's been us who's been like, yo, the record's been done. Like our album that is coming out this week was, I think the final mix and master was like all packaged up maybe a year and five months ago. Like yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's like a mutual respect that way. It's like, you know, trust, trust us to write the music we want to write and do it the right way and make sure everyone on our end is happy. And then it's trusting those guys with like the rollout plan and making sure things make sense. Um, I will say, and I like mentioned this earlier, but I also think not that it's changed the relationship, but it, us being the age that we are and priorities shifting and altering in life. Um, I think we had to like sit down at one point and have like a candid conversation with the label to be like, okay, you love the album. We love the album. We're ready to put it out. We're like starting to shoot music videos, but here's the thing. And like throwing the disclaimer, like I can't spend six months of the year on the road. 
Like I can't spend every other month on the road. Like it's just the right. reality of being 30 year old guys. Um, yeah. Especially when like money's a thing. Like I feel like a lot of fans too, they're always like, oh, are you ever going to come back to California? You ever going to do this? It's like, dude, I, we'd love to, but like, I don't think you realize like for us to, you know, do a full us or something like we're already <laughs> sinking a shit ton of money and being Canadian. Yeah. Everything in the States cost infinitely more. Like it's, it's just like so hard to even get that ball rolling in the first place where we're like knowing, okay, we're, we're going to basically pay money out of our pockets to play in front of these people, um, which sometimes is worth doing, but like it just gets way more complicated when like family life is involved and yeah, stuff like that. So we had to have this like kind of uncomfortable conversation with the label about like, yo, how do we, how do we make sure we're not wasting your time and vice versa? Like we put so much of ourselves into this record. How do we make sure at the end of the day, we can still get it in front of people without necessarily like having the band sleep on strangers floors, you know, every, right. every night on the road eating Taco Bell dollar menu. Uh, so they were like open to that. And I think their whole thing was like, you know, we're never going to make you freaking do a dance on TikTok, like, we're never right. gonna <laughs> sell your soul or anything like that. Um, they just said like, if you, feel like you need to be creative doing whatever like film it send it to us we'll play that game for you like i don't yeah. do, i don't even have twitter on my phone like if you see a tweet it's either coming from Corey or someone at the label who's just double checking with us like hey are we good to yeah. promote this there like i'm almost like detached from the social media end of things um but that's like i feel like so many labels would tell us to just get fucked at that point and like <laughs> not put the record out so yeah. To me, it shows me that they like, they genuinely just like the music, which is, it's awesome because they could easily be like, yeah, the music's good, but like, we have nothing to gain from this anymore. So sorry, figure it out, you know? Yeah. And they know, like, they, like, when they signed us, they knew we were not like the likelihood of us being a band who's selling like tens of thousands of units. Like, that's not why they signed us. Right. So I think there's been like somewhat of an understanding, but I think reality, like, really hit when we had to have that conversation yeah and i I mean a couple things on that a i don't think the average quote-unquote average fan understands how expensive it really is to to do a 30-day run anywhere um you know i've had a ton of australian artists on the podcast and like uh jake from between yeah jake from between you and me um was telling me like for them to come over they did a like a 36 day run mm-hmm. with um real friends and knuckle puck and yep. uh it was just to get the band and the gear over was sixteen thousand yeah. dollars oh, yeah Easy. just to get this shit over here and, and then yeah. you rent a van on top of that exactly. then you're finding everything else it's great they actually um my other band we took them out i think on their first ever u.s tour and now looking back at that i'm like Oh, did we like really set those guys back? Like they were so eager to do it, which was awesome. But like, yeah, us not thinking at the time, like, oh yeah, they're coming from Australia and they're like two of five on the tour package. And like, but honestly, just... I mean, at that time they were probably still on hopeless records. Right. So hope yeah, was yeah. probably footed some of that bill for right. them. Um, but now yeah. they're, they're fully independent. So, you know, yeah. for them to, to try to make that jump, it's like, we it's have to that. know that, that it's going to be there. Yeah. um even and for you guys it, coming down from canada it's yeah the same and like what makes it, it there? hard too is like you want 
I mean, in the traditional sense, like you, you want to be on the road and you want to be like a nonstop presence opening right. for whoever. So eventually you do get the direct support or headline slot on a tour, but it's, it's almost like this force working against itself because if you are the one of five on a package or like the two of four or whatever, like you're not, your guarantee is maybe covering your gas, like right. maybe. So right then and there, like that's sometimes the financial loss is enough to like crush a band where they can't afford to ever do it again. It's also like when you have this looming dark cloud, it's like, fuck, we have no money. Um, people will start butting heads. It's just like, there's so many things working against you. So I always yeah. try to like, if I'm going to a show, I'm not going necessarily to a show because it's like, I'm there for the headliner and that's it. And I don't go to a ton of shows to begin with that I'm like not personally playing. If I right. go there, it's because like, I genuinely also want to see the opener and I know that they could use, you know, whatever sort of support if it's someone kicking $20 at the door to help the guarantee get filled or, or whatever. It's uh, yeah. I, most people don't understand, especially when I have conversations with my in-laws and stuff. Like when my wife and I were first dating, it's just like, Hey, you, ha you have your tail between your legs and your head down, like right. you're playing a band. <laughs> <laughs> And then I thought to explain like you. So how much do you guys get paid per show? And you're like oh, a couple hundred bucks, but split between the four of you. Like, it's, you know these conversations you have with everyone. It's like yeah, man. Like it, it's crazy. You don't think it's that way because everyone does it. But yeah, everyone is like punishing themselves a little bit <laughs> in those early days. Yeah. Well, that's something I've always said forever. But especially on this podcast, like I tell people all the time, if you're gonna go out to a show and it's just the headliner that you like still show up early because like 100 whether it's yeah i mean you've probably already bought your ticket so they're getting some sort of little split but like you never know who you're going to discover that maybe mm -hmm. lands on your playlist things like that and you know i think that gets mistaken as well that well but i didn't buy their merch which is honestly about the best way you can support a band on tour 100 uh, <laughs> you're short of just straight giving you money yeah. i mean that's that's it but like, even if you go and find a band that is that, you know, opener two or four spot, like putting them on your playlist and helping their Spotify numbers or yeah. whatever is still a help because yeah. now they're getting more residuals. Yeah, 100%. And I think that was like part of, I don't know if it was like Fearless's idea or intent when they, this time around and last time around, we're like, hey, how about we just release basically the whole record <laughs> every seven weeks the song comes out? That's been... Like that to me has done the equivalent of showing face and playing all these shows where like, you know, the one kid in the crowd who showed up early is all of a sudden like, oh, this is, this is my kind of music. I'm going to follow them on Spotify. I'm going to download. And then the next time you come to the city, you're the band. They're there to see. Right. Um, Because we have like, we'll see comments every once in a while that are like, oh, I ignored it at first, but now I keep seeing this band pop up everywhere. Or like, oh, I saw this in a targeted ad. I never click on this stuff, but this was awesome. Like there are ways around it. It's just like, it's weird. It's weird because it's not the the normal, I guess, path, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's one of those things that the landscape, thanks to the pandemic, has completely changed when it comes to live music. There's even now, you know, again, a year, year and a half back into touring, um, there's it's a it's absolutely a first world problem, right? Like there's almost an oversaturation of shows. Yeah. And it's like, well, I couldn't go to that show because I was going to this like, show. I, it's so funny. Like, I know I said, I don't go to many shows, which is true. Like 
until recently. And they're always on the same night. (laughs) Not even, I don't know what's been going on, but like October 1st until the end of the year, it's nonstop in Toronto. Like every week there's like four or five shows. I'm like, which one do I go? Which one do I go? Do I go to this, like this band I've been wanting to see for years that's finally coming to Canada? Or do I go see my friends from California that are playing in the city? Or do I do both? And then it's expensive for me to get to and from, you know, downtown. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. First world problem for sure. It is, but it's, it's also, I think it's shifting people back into this, like pre pandemic for probably the, the decade before the pandemic, Mm-hmm. It really felt like people were growing complacent with live music. I think so too. Everybody was just comfortable. Like, I don't have to go see this band because I'll see them when, the next time they come around, whatever. The pandemic hit and now bands are getting back out. And it's like, well, I can't risk not going and seeing this band mm-hmm. now because they may not be back. Yeah. And not only that, like, I mean, bands like continue to grow during pandemics yeah. or whatever, like because of streaming, but like, some bands just seeing how much they've grown and this like urgency where people were not able to be in front of live music and stuff like that. Like I'm seeing certain bands play like 700 cap rooms and sell them out. And like, I went to a fiddlehead show the other day and they played, I think it's like a 600, 700 cap room at one in the afternoon on a Sunday in Toronto. (laughs) And it was sold out like right off the bat, which is just like, it's not the kind Insane. of show I was out in general. It's not the kind of band that usually could do that that quickly on a Sunday at one in the afternoon, right. 100 people. Like it's seeing all that stuff is, has been cool. And I also like now that I am going out more, I feel like I have this like duty <laughs> to like go out <laughs> and be like supporting music. Um, yeah. Which is, like I said, I, this is something I totally took for granted. Like I think, between the years like 2016 and 2019 i maybe went to like three shows because i was like ah fuck i'll i'll see that band when i play with them or i'll you know what i mean um yeah where now i'm like constantly trying to go out but while i'm doing that i'm actively noticing now like everyone that i used to go to shows with for the most part they're like they're nowhere to be found because we're in that weird age where it's like ah i'd rather spend my money on my bills or whatever right (laughs) um but it's honestly been so cool to see like a band where my friend group was all writing for is now like being championed by kids that are like born after the year 2000, like a turnstile yeah. is like a perfect example. Yeah. It's like, to me, that's a mind blowing situation. Anyone in our scene, even in Toronto who were like 10 years ago, we were paying 10 bucks to see them play the 30 of us in a basement, you know, and they yeah. were like just the like a hardcore band that always came to the city. And now it's like, Oh, they're like a famous rock band. <laughs> like, the yeah, kid. they went on tour with fucking Blink-182. Yeah, like, like they're, it's it's cool. It's like this humbling, like, it's not for us. It's, right. it's for them now. It's like, it's for the younger sort of kids, which is like always nice to see. So it's, I have no problem now standing at the back of the venue, just kind of like enjoying it, taking it in. Like, oh, those kids are having fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, for me this, this summer, I got, I've done work with Yellow Card a ton over the years. Um, they're one of my favorite bands. And obviously they, you know, had their hiatus and things like that, but seeing them back in the day when Ocean Avenue came out and like my friend group and whatnot, and I'm 38. So then to see them come back this year, 20 years into Ocean Avenue. And it's like, I saw them, I got to work with them four times over the summer and 
every venue was bigger than the last venue they've mm. played. You know, like they played yeah. to in Detroit, they played to like 7,200 people in an amphitheater. So it was crazy. one of the largest shows that they've ever done. That's and they've weird. been a band for 20 fucking years, you yeah. know? And it's like, it was mind blowing being in the the photo pit, you know, and like, like turn around the guardrail is like only about half the people my age, everybody else was younger. And I'm like, yeah. they're still connecting with kids. And like, that's what is so cool. That's yeah. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. It's so yeah. So uh, let's jump back towards your, your record. So you've got uh super liminal coming out November 10th via fearless talk a little bit about so one of the things I don't do anymore I don't ask the specifics on any one song because I don't want to take away the meaning for somebody or whatever connection they make but talk a little bit about like thematically the the album and what this one kind of the story that you're trying to tell within Hmm. this um yeah it's kind of what like I've already been talking about it was like I I don't know if I'm sure some people do this where they like a singer will write lyrics and then like paste it on a song at some point. I, because (laughs) I'm the primary songwriter, like, and I would consider myself an instrumentalist before a lyricist. Um, It's very much the opposite. I like write a song in full and then bring the band in and we tweak it. So everyone kind of has their say and it's like a democratic process. And then I put the lyrics on it. Um, And this time it seemed like everything I was writing was like more or less about the same thing which was driving me nuts at first i was like fuck like i can't do this again three songs in and i think it was probably Corey that was like no man this is good like this is let's do an album like this where like if you're gonna if you feel like that's what is worth writing about like it's it's not the same song over and over again it's a different approach and perspective kind of thing yeah Um, so once that was kind of established it was i don't know just almost like a a change in perspective and like whether it's like this relationship with my wife uh, and like family becoming this like you know pillar or like priority in life and also like having to having to look at the band itself with like a totally different scope I I was telling the guys like you could take any one of the songs on the record and it's just as applicable to the, the four of us in a band and how I view our relationship as I do with my personal relationships with friends and family and my wife and stuff like that um so it's, it was, yeah, it's just like accepting that time is not stopping for anyone. <laughs> um, you know, and when you find yourself in the snowball of like, typically like your late twenties, when shit is like, you are adulting as right. <laughs> some people would say, um, that's like, it's an overwhelming thing, especially in like, from the perspective of a musician, who's like a quote unquote band guy or band person, um, yeah there's just and in pop punk especially there's this like grasp on like being youthful you know what i mean mm-hmm. um which in turn you end up with a lot of people that need to fucking grow up <laughs> but, <laughs> for sure but that being said like that is that is the appeal to the music so it's it was me it was like an exercise for me to kind of like not play the comparison game to kind of be like grateful and appreciative of like everything i have and on top of that like it was the pandemic and everything was so negative where I was like, you know what? Like I want to write songs that aren't just like boo-hoo. Like I'm, my life is in shambles. <laughs> like I, poor me, it just felt like, like selfish and like not appropriate at the time. Um, because genuinely like it, I, I didn't have anything that affected me. Like I said, during those two, three years in a negative way, like things I got engaged and the 
things are good. Right. Um, yeah. It would have felt so disingenuous to like play into the emo thing where I'm like trying to scratch my head and pull like sad lyrics out of my ass. Um, so a lot of the record is like very happy and celebratory um, and introspective. Like I think at its most vulnerable, like there's, there's not really any like sad song, quote unquote, um, yeah. which is, which is cool. But that's like kind of where my head was at. So every, every song is essentially about like dealing with this, like growing up like this time in your life when it's like, all right, I might have to shut this door to open up new ones. And I might have to leave this, you know, group of people behind because these are my people now or whatever that situation might be. Um, and then like kind of approaching it from every angle possible. Yeah. Not to say that there were nights um, I'm like, I'm having panic attacks, like, <laughs> Oh my God, like, like, what am I going to do without music or like what, you know, uh, and those anxieties and stuff come out in some songs, but it's, it's more so like, well, thank God I at least got to do this at some point, you know, and you know, right. I'm so grateful that like, I get to just fucking make music. Like it's, that's where it all comes from. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two things I wanted to say on that is number one, you made the comment, you know, about trying to stay young. That's the pop punk thing. It reminded me of a lyric from um, the wonder years and came out swinging. He says, my heart keeps saying, stay young. My lower back seems to disagree, you know, talking about just getting older, like, it's so true and you know what just because you're like you have like most people when they feel like the the urgency to write something there's like a problem or a scenario or something's been dropped on them where it's like i need to get this out and express it just because you are i'm in a different spot in my life than an 18 year old who might like stumble across this record it doesn't mean that like what i'm feeling is not a feeling that that person's going to have just because my situation that's causing that feeling or like you know outburst of emotion is like totally detached from the life right. of a 19 20 year old it doesn't mean that they're also feeling like being overwhelmed you know um and like i you know i may be putting myself in this like hypothetical situation where i'm writing some of the songs like oh what if the band ends like this huge yeah. part of my life is like no longer part of me what's that feel like well any person who's 19 and 20 can totally agree with that and feel that way where it's like, I'm leaving high school or college, like these relationships that were so close to me, like what happens when there's not that glue that's bringing us together anymore? Like it's all universal in that sense. So yeah, I, I think it's like, I don't know. I'm not like pointing out pants or anything, but yeah, sometimes I'll hear, I'll, like, I'll hear a song from the genre where I'm like, bro, do you really feel that way? Or like, like sure you can pander but like this some of it's just so fucking corny that i'm like it's it's hard to stomach or listen to (laughs) yeah no i i totally agree and you know especially like the pop punk genre whatever genre box you want to really call it has always kind of been my bread and butter ever Mm -hmm. since you know growing up and like separating from my parents music right because that's how we all learn our our truths or whatever but um i think you know the the funny thing is too you mentioned growing up and you run into it all the time with bands that do have that longevity or that are getting a little older where early adopter fans are like, well, yeah, but it's not this album. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, because I'm not the same motherfucker that I was 10 years ago. That's, that's always the, I'll never understand that. Like part of the appeal to me when I hear something from like a band that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, um, if I hear something that sounds like those albums, it's never going to be that album. So right. like sorry, Blink-182, but like if, if I wanted to listen to the anthem, I would go put on the anthem part one or two. I don't need part three. Like do like do something else, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, that. no, I, I totally agree with that. I like the one that I use as an example all the time is uh, Newfound Glory. I'm a huge Newfound Glory fan. And like every time they drop a new album, people are like, yeah, but it's not Sticks and Stones. Yeah, motherfucker, it's not. It's not yeah. Catalyst. It's not, you know, like they're not fucking 18, 19 year old kids anymore. Yeah. Like, and you know what? Selfishly, I think like, I mean, I'm someone who just gets like fucking bored really easily. Yeah. Doing the same <laughs> yeah. thing. And selfishly, I think a lot of musicians, like, I know I said earlier, you got to take the fan stuff into account. I think a real fan comes back to a band, not just because of how they sound, but because like you appreciate, you know, a singer's perspective or like a, a playing style that the drummer has, like whatever yeah. that is, like that's always going to be there regardless of what a song ends up sounding like more often than not. Um, where it's just like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really weird thing. We'll get comments sometimes that are like, at least with the last record, they were like, oh, I miss when they were like grungier. I'm like, dude, the music's still there. You can go listen to that stuff if you want to. But like, yeah. I'm not that person anymore. And like, yeah. And like I was saying, selfishly, like you just, you want to do something else because it gets really fucking boring playing the same song over and over again, especially if you're a band like Newfound who's toured the world to no end. Like, right. think how many thousands of times they played My Friends Over You. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I can only imagine that like that song as much as they obviously loved it when they wrote it and probably the first thousand times that they played mm -hmm. it at this point i mean they've been a band for 23 years now or whatever it is like at this point we're done with that song like dude but I, we're still obligated to play it at every show yeah. i uh i did the four year strong tour when they were doing i think they were doing heroes anniversary one of the, one of the albums that they were doing yeah. whatever anniversary 10 year 15 year and there's always kids being like oh they were so good. i could hear the kids like around the venues being oh that was awesome but like why they play everything so fucking fast so one day i think i literally walked up to alan and was like dude you guys play everything like at 1.5 speed like you or sorry like yeah 1.5 two times speed like it yeah sounds crazy and he's like yeah man i fucking like i just want to not have to play these songs for an hour <laughs> the faster we get through it the better and that was like i intentionally why they played fast was because it was just like you play the yeah. song a million times it's a chore after a certain point yeah it, you know i think too the the other side of that is you know you made the comment about sure you can pander to the fans and and whatnot but it's a little disingenuous to your point about those longevity fans or those returning fans like i think authenticity is a big part of it and that's mm. something you guys really have maintained throughout your musical career is like sure i just said this to an artist the other day like there's a formula right we can go write a top 40 hit exactly yeah but you're going to be able to tell that i literally sat down and quote unquote scientifically crafted that song yeah. and yeah, don't yeah. feel it yeah. yeah i don't know i think the people that make those comments are also like sorry if you are one of these people but like a marvel <laughs> fan or <laughs> it's like you're essentially getting the same movie over and over again with like alterations made and it's keeping you happy, yeah. which is like, Hey, if that's what you like, that's what you like. But I, I see it the same way. I'm like, don't you want something like a little different this time? <laughs> like, I don't know. So yeah, I, so I guess with this record, like thankfully there have been lots of people that like, yeah, this is, this is cool. And like, I've said this to a few people that I've spoken to, but like some of the inspiration instrumentally for the record was stuff we were doing when we were 20. Cause we just like, we missed writing stuff like that. We didn't do that on yeah. the last record, right? Um, so we went back and took some of that stuff, which we see comments, oh, this is awesome. It's like it's like Lockett meets safe to say in like the best way. Like it's 
that's like all you can ask for in a compliment. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with like doing callbacks or yeah. things like that. Um, everybody shits on them. Uh, but, you know, when you're not Nickelback and making the exact same album 14 yeah, yeah. times. Yeah. You know what? I think we get a little wiggle room as well because when I have to like fill out press stuff and they're like, mention what genre. I'm like, dude, I don't know what fucking genre our band is. Like we get lumped into pop punk world, but like we have like ballads with like R&B and hip hop samples. And then we like have harder songs where it's like landing on a hardcore post hardcore playlist. Like it's, we're yeah. all over the place. I think that is probably the appeal with our band if we have one. Um, so we kind of get away with like, oh, they wrote a ballad. <laughs> like I'm on board. Yeah. We're like, oh, this song is two chords and two minutes long and it's like super fast. Cool. Yeah, that's still a locket song. Uh, where I know other bands, if they were to do that, they would get like, I don't know, freaking burned at the stake. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things I've said for a very long time, I hate the genre labels because mm-hmm. nobody fits in the boxes anymore. No, no one does. I mean, that. it's, I get the, I get the overarching like concept of it. Like you have to be able to say that it's similar to something. Exactly. But yeah. that's why, like, I normally try to just tell people like, oh, well, if you like X band, you'll probably like yeah. some of this stuff because nobody really, again, nobody fits in that box. Like, bring me the horizon. What the fuck genre are you putting them in nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. I, all the time I'll get the, like for fans of, you know, I'll be like, I get, oh, really? I guess. I don't know. Like I, the thing I'm most proud of with this record in particular is there are some songs that to me sound nothing like anything, but Brad, Corey, Travis, Joey, like, yeah. And I say that like wholeheartedly, like I, I listened to enough music where I could probably draw comparisons on other songs in our record or in our catalog or between anyone's music. Um, but there are some songs on this record where I'm like, this sounds like a locket song and only a locket song. And I don't necessarily know what that means, but it like, I feel it when I hear it, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, and and I, 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 you work your whole life to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think, especially in the quote unquote pop punk genre, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of times, it is, it does feel a little interchangeable, right? Like you'll hear a song from a band be like, oh, state champs could have done that or, yeah, you know, whoever. There's so many bands that could have done that exact same song. And it's like to have just even that intangible thing of, no, I think, I think only Lockett could pull that off. Or I think only this band could pull that off. Like yeah. it is saying something and, of course, it's going to sound biased coming from you being in the band or whatever. People are going to say that. But like at the end of the day, it's one of those things where I can count on on both hands how many covers I like better than the original. Yeah. So like I want the band to be the only one that can play that song. Totally. And you know what? There's like, I don't know if it's the way I play guitar, but our influences they're like obvious to me on this stuff, but they're not influences anyone in our audience, I'm sure would like regularly listen to. Like there's a couple ways that I play chords that are very much like reminiscent of this one Canadian band that was like on Canadian radio in the nineties that fucking no one, like no one knows who they are. So I know it's not that it's something I'm like actively ripping off, but that's like inspired me to play how I play where now mixed with everything else. Like, you know, the sampling that's on this record, like I'm a Jay Dilla fan, like, I love right. 
I love that old school, like sample flip hip hop stuff. Like that, that's not something that people are like doing or actively listening to. I think, uh, you know, if they're like a movements fan or something like that, like I, I know when people are the age that they are, uh, that like make up most of our demographic between, you know, 19 to 25 years old. And I was like this too, like when you're in it, you're in it, you're listening to like one thing, you know, it's like, it's your life. Um, If you're a hardcore kid, you are a hardcore kid. If you're like an emo pop punk kid, like you are defending pop punk brother. Like it's, it's your life, you know? Um, So I think like us just having this, like, I guess, wide ranging influence outside of what our fans are listening to it. Hopefully like someone will listen to it and be like, Oh, like what inspired them to do this? And they come across a podcast like this and they throw on a, a Jay Dilla record or like an old whatever, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's cool. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, you know, again, post pandemic because of how everyone was quote unquote locked in and, and attention spans got fucked up and whatever. I do think that the, the hardcore fans of a genre are a little bit more accepting now of expanding their horizons on those things. So like, to your point, like maybe listening to you guys and then them go, man, that sample was really cool. Like, Oh, they, they pulled it from this or whatever, you know, a Jay Dilla album, whatever. And then they go look at that and then they're like, Oh man, he's, he's really fucking dope. Like, let's go look through the other stuff that's similar. It's so cool. And and this comes back to the like um i don't know not like a, a gatekeeping thing but to touch on what you're saying where like one artist is going to influence the, the growth or audience or the spotlight being shown on another um and we're talking about younger kids going to see these bands that like we maybe came up right listening to and stuff um yeah i think in certain genres there's like this weird gatekeeping thing where it's like this is what the music is it can only be this if you're not this you're not a purist and you don't appreciate the essence of whatever um but i think it's like it's it's a weird thing like if one of my favorite hardcore bands is inside out and i only ever knew about that band because of rage against the machine and then you find out about inside out and now this like i'm exposed to this whole world of music that personally for me like changed my life essentially you know um yeah so now with Turnstile, people are going to listen to Trapped Under Ice and they're going to listen to Praise and they're going to listen to all the side projects. And now like, now a kid who normally would go to concerts is going to DIY shows, you know? It's just like, yeah, it's a really cool thing. So I think that the genre melding or expanding or, you know, collaboration is, it's like super helpful to show a spotlight. Like if you really are a purist, you'll want it to be in other places and you'll want it to kind of meander to different crowds because- gonna like blossom your music scene yeah it's it's the old uh idiom saying whatever that a rising tide raises all ships like by sure you can gatekeep it but like that's one of the things i've never fucking understood either is like when green day is a great example when american idiot was coming out and they're like everybody was oh they went mainstream they sold out blah blah like you don't want your favorite band to get popular and make money. Dude, there's nothing cooler than having friends in bands that have like skyrocketed. Like I, I'm sure there's some people that like are resentful for it. I know people that are like that, but 
it's weird, man. It's like, yo, that's your friend. Like they're doing it. Right. That's if you had a, a buddy, I'm a hockey fan. If you had a buddy that was like drafted into the NHL, that like, you're like, he made it. He's on, he's made it to the show. Like he's putting, but our now t- he can't play in our beer league. And you know, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> like, I, I, of course you would like, if you're a decent human being, like you're going to want to see those things and like, hope your friends have success and hope the bands you like have success. Like, otherwise, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it. I don't know. Like I said, it, it's one of those things that I've never, never understood. And I just don't think, I think it has finally shifted. And I think the pandemic was kind of that point where people are like, Oh, it, it's okay that my favorite band is now popular. Like, sure. Mm-hmm. It sucks spending $300 a ticket to go see blink 182 or to see turnstile because they're on tour with blink or whatever. But at the same time, like, they're not having to eat fucking ramen in a truck stop bathroom anymore. Like, no, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think the, the responsible, like, yeah, I guess like I feel it would be like an obligation for me, but if I like found a a kid listening to like an artist where I knew there was more to the story than what they're just stumbling upon, I wouldn't be like, Bob, this is their new stuff's trash. You don't fucking know the real that I'd be like, Yo, if you like this, you wouldn't believe the stuff they used to do. And members of this band playing this, like you might like this, like that. Yeah. Like the the big brother. Like there's always that yeah. old head in your life who like introduces you to reality. <laughs> yeah. But well, that's honestly, that's why I started doing music journalism and this podcast, you know, as the pandemic started, was because like I've always been the one that people I used to work at Best Buy in the media department and people I had regulars come in that what's the newest stuff out? And then I had this one guy, I'll never forget. He would come in, he'd buy, you know, a couple of the new releases that came out that week. And then he'd just be like, go grab me five of your favorite CDs. And I would just walk the the fucking shelves and grab five random shit and give it to him. That's cool. Um, I feel like more labels should do that. I mean, they yeah. some of them probably do, but if they did like a, a mystery bag thing. Yeah, it, it was so it. dope. And it, it got to the point like every Tuesday, cause it was new release Tuesday. I just had a basket preset for him. Here's all your movies that you're going to get. Here's your CDs. And he'd thumb through them, but very rarely was he ever like, no, nah, I don't need this or whatever. That's what older um, siblings are for. I don't have older siblings, but yeah. everyone I know who does have an older sibling is like, oh yeah, I, I discovered Green Day or Blink-182 because my older brother had a burned CD. <laughs> you know, right. I, uh, I didn't ever have that. So it was just kind of like whatever was on Much Music, which was like Canada's MTV at the time. Yeah. Now they play like fucking Simpsons reruns and don't play music at all. Oh, um, so like regular MTV now. <laughs> exactly. They went the same way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess my experience is like kids now using like Spotify playlists and the algorithm, right? Where I yeah. just like hope something new came on, like a new music video came on that I'd never seen before or uh, or going to a local show and then being like, who the fuck is this band from like Ohio that's playing in my small town in Canada. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I can remember back in the day watching, you know, MTV VH1 and be like much music confused up there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, as YouTube became a thing, one of the, the things that has always stuck with me, especially in the, the pop punk and punk realm was in the bottom uh, right-hand corner of every video they had the record label yeah 
Yeah. And so you'd hear a new song that you loved and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go check something. out these drive through records and okay, see what the fuck's there. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're on victory. They're on, or the, you know, uh, fearless. Yeah. And I think, uh, at least like some of the shows I was going to, there was always like, uh, a, a compilation album from the label. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, like I found so many bands that way, like so many bands on like a comp or something like that. But like, like you mentioned Warp Tour back in the day. Remember getting the the fucking two CD Warp Tour comp, and it was like fifty three different fucking bands. Like that shit was so cool. I have a funny story about the Warp Tour. <laughs> we, uh, we we tour with our buddy Logan. Uh, he does not play any instruments. He like doesn't. I don't think we've ever really paid him anything. <laughs> like he's like just down to come with yeah. us. He's an unofficial member, and he is notoriously quiet. Like he's a man of few words. He's actually dating my sister-in-law right now. So maybe he's going to be officially family one day, which <laughs> cross my fingers. But uh, yeah, he's just like a very quiet guy, a man of few words. And the last day we were on Warp Tour, one of the bands had like a, a mosh part and he like really liked the song. So we we're like, yo, like last day it warped. Can we give the mic to Logan and like, just fucking let him freak out we've never heard him raise his voice and he will like he'll have to like yell <laughs> so of course last day happens the big mosh parts about to happen the fight rip is happening and uh the mic gets passed to logan and logan starts like yelling the lyrics and we're all like pissing our pants laughing and someone took a photo of it and that ended up being like the cd image oh sick yeah or that year for like the following year's comp which is like People are going to look at me. What band was this? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, but the that's sick. Time, the one time he raised his voice, it's been like immortalized. <laughs> yeah. Does he still lay claim to that? Like, is that his claim to fame? Like, his fun fact when he ice breaks well, or whatever? He, he probably actively doesn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, it, you know, I think it is. It's the world we live in now, you know, obviously with everything being digital, the playlisting is is vitally important and i do think i think a lot of labels kind of do a good job with some of it like they've got their own different little playlists that they're dropping and stuff but yeah i miss i miss like the warp tour style of like yeah here's 50 random fucking bands that have no connection to each other you'll yeah, have fun here's a ska band and here's a singer songwriter <laughs> emo kid and here's yeah. a <laughs> yeah it, it was so much fun i i miss warp tour but also at the age of 38, I don't know that I could handle Warp Tour anymore. <laughs> I was like, I think I was 24 when we did it. And even then I was like, dude, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired and it's loud everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Uh, and it, I've said this before. It was always, no matter where they were going, no matter what city you're playing, it was always the fucking hottest day that city has ever seen. Yeah, it, it became a joke with us where uh we like play that odds game like what are the odds yeah. we're constantly playing that throughout the summer and the one that we kept trying to do was what are the odds you play the set in a hoodie and sweatpants today <laughs> what, are the odds Zero. You, what are the odds you play arizona in a winter coat like <laughs> but, and constantly there'd be like one of us on stage just sweating dying of heat exhaustion you know yeah but yeah, yeah. It's, it's brutal it was for sure um so kind of 
as we transition towards the end here, um, I refuse to sit and think of better closing questions. So I bought this game called Hot Takes. Awesome. And it's just like random fucking opinions. And we're going to do a couple and see if you agree, disagree, or maybe uh, maybe expand on some. So to start with, we're going to go with uh, the middle seat should get both armrests. I assume they mean on a plane. Oh, on a plane. Uh, like they get the right to put their... Yeah. Down? I don't know, man. That's... <laughs> yeah. Sure, I guess. I don't know. Why don't planes just give like why are there not two armrests and then right. two armrests? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. Like I feel like I'll say I yes kind just of... because if you're in the window, you can lean your head on the window. If you're in the aisle, you can stretch your leg out. Like what do you have right in the middle right. except for sitting in like soup? <laughs> that, that's kind of where my mind went. It was like it's it would be the only perk of a middle seat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go with, I like this one. Let's go with baths are gross. Sitting in a a pool of your own shit. (laughs) Fucking call me gross then, man, because I, (laughs) bath guy, I shower, obviously, like a normal human being. If you're only taking baths, then you're like probably fucking British or something. I don't know that that's just whack. (laughs) That's like old world stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I will watch like a Maple Leafs game in the bath and I'll light candles and everything. Like, <laughs> See, now I just said this with an artist uh, yesterday that I was talking to. I think it wasn't this exact same card. I think it was that showers are better than baths. But I said, I think showers are for cleaning. Baths are for relaxing. 100%. Yep. That's yeah. the appropriate answer. Right. Uh, and then... Last one we'll do is that aliens will find us before we find them. With uh, all the shit that's come out, I guess we kind of already found them, but yeah, probably, man. I feel like we're just too dumb, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, I, I think, I think we're too ignorant and arrogant. Yeah. Like yeah. we believe that there could be nothing else more yeah. civilized or smarter than us. They'll find us or they found us and they're like, <laughs> they're staying away from it. They're a mess. You do your own thing. Yeah. 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 That's uh I saw a, a TikTok or whatever from a blink show and Tom was like oh, they were getting ready right. to play I Aliens Exist. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I, I think, you know, again, this album is kind of hopefully going to be a resurgence for you of sorts in that like now yeah. that live music can come back, you know. And like you said, I think I think that's the other thing people have to understand is like as bands get older, they're going to tour less because there are other priorities in life. So like we said it earlier, don't skip going to see a band because, oh, I'll see them again. Like maybe you will, maybe you won't. Hopefully it's nothing tragic that happens that makes you not. But like yeah. if you turn around and have a kid, it's like I I can't leave my wife and baby at home and it's different for six months on the road yeah like especially i feel like i'll probably be the first in the band to do so and like i'm the member who can't like i can't have a fill-in for the show right (laughs) right uh if it's like the bassist or guitar player like you can work some stuff out but uh i think people would be a little irritated if they paid money to see us and i wasn't there (laughs) right not not to put myself on a pedestal but like no but I, i think you're right like i 
not that everyone in a band is replaceable, but like, like you said, like a sub and the, the one I think of is newfound glory brings uh Dan from four mm. years strong out to help tour with them. And it's like, well, that's acceptable. Like I, I can deal with that, yeah. but if it wasn't Jordan singing, I don't exactly. want to see newfound glory. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So right. yeah. Awesome. Uh, so kind of the traditional outro, man, I'll give you the time, but I'll obviously link all your socials and stuff, but promote the album. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they pick up the album? Things like that. Uh, yeah. Locket. I think it's just at Locket. Don't ask how we got that. I think there's an app called Locket that we get fucking spam from every day. Uh, <laughs> please make it worthwhile and like go throw us a follow, <laughs> uh, but just at Locket. Um, you can pick up the record through Fearless Records or stream it on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, whatever you do. Uh, it's out November 10th. I don't know if this is coming out before or after that. Um, this will be coming out uh, on the 8th. So yes, just right, before so the album drops. Just before I can say, all right, on the 10th, pick it up. Uh, like Play it to no end. Play it 10,000 times. Play it 10,000 more. We worked really hard on it. We're proud. Uh, yeah, I don't have much else to add. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I will ask. I mean, I I personally use Spotify. Do you have a preference on where people uh, stream it based on royalties and shit? Well, I mean, yeah. In in my musicians, like in my socialist brain, I'm like, please use anything but Spotify. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but Corey in our band pays for all of us to have a Spotify account. So I'm a Spotify user. Uh, right. solely because he's the guy pulling the trigger on his $40 monthly or whatever family plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're going to listen to it on Spotify, you are obligated to listen to our record a thousand times more than you would if you were doing it on title. <laughs> That's fair. That's absolutely fair. I've, I've said something similar. I told a buddy that um, that same friend that I was telling you about earlier Anytime I send him new music, I'm like, you have to play it at least three times because I send it to him on Spotify. Yeah. Like, that's the only way it makes sense to have it there. And if you are on Apple, I think you are the only platform that has the alternate mix to the record um, because we had it remixed with a spatial audio Dolby oh, yeah, 5 yeah. version too, which I still haven't heard, but I have been told it's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome, man. That sounds dope. I'll have to check that out. I've got a buddy that I can steal his. Uh apple music login so um man that that sounds great i'm i'm really excited for you guys like i said i think this album is hopefully going to be kind of that reintroduction resurgence for you where people uh are seeing a, a new side but also like just the evolution of the band not necessarily a oh we're you know now we're a country band and this is what we're going to do it's yeah. it's the same stuff just a, a evolution and i think it's a really cool uh aesthetic that you guys have going on with the album and the story and i'm i'm excited to see where it goes i think you guys are are primed in the especially in the quote-unquote pop punk space uh with the resurgence that we've seen of pop punk music to really start making some waves over here yeah thanks man appreciate it yeah absolutely that's everything I've got for you. So um, you go enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to go grab dinner myself and then uh, <laughs> I'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely be promoting you. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was nice talking awesome. to you. Yeah. You too, man. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. Yep. And that was my conversation with Brad Garcia of the band Locket. 
Uh, be sure you guys go check out the new album, Super Luminal, when it drops in just a couple of days as of this going live. It drops on November 10th via Fearless Records. Go pre-save it and do all that stuff because that actually really helps the analytics and the back end for the guys as well. Um, and, you know, like Brad and I said, obviously everybody has their, their platform, whatever, um, do whatever makes sense for you as far as where you listen to it and, uh, pre-save it, things like that, but also jump over to the band's website, um, you know, maybe pick up some merch, things like that to help support the guys. Uh, this project is super, super cool. And I think that, you know, this is one of those bands that, uh, even though they may not tour quite as often as some people would like, or, uh, you know, as fans would like, and maybe they're not going to get to every city every year, things like that. Um, they're definitely still going to be putting out music and really influencing the genre, if you will, as broad stroke as that is. Um, and they deserve the, the love and support. So as always, I'll have the links to all their socials and everything in the description of the podcast. So be sure you jump over, give them a like, share, subscribe, follow as well. And, um, yeah, just let them know that you listened to the episode and, um, tag us in any, uh, comments if you did, or, Vice versa, if you are commenting on the You Make the Scene post, make sure you tag the band so that they see it and and can appreciate you guys listening to the episode. Um, that's everything I've got for you on this episode. I have obviously been working very hard to, to line up some more stuff. I do have a couple more episodes already lined up, uh, both for this podcast and the musicians for mental health podcast so be sure that you are subscribed to both of those and you will be able to see obviously or hear obviously this episode now and then you will be getting a episode of this podcast with azra next week um she's an incredible artist that i think is right on the verge of really fucking blowing up. Um, and then on Musicians for Mental Health, we just dropped a conversation with Mac from the band Everline down in Australia. Had a great time talking with her. Um, we have Loon from Australia next week on Musicians for Mental Health. And then I've got, like I said, some stuff uh, scheduled. So you're definitely going to want to be subscribed because on the You Make the Scene podcast, I've got episodes coming up or interviews coming up with uh, Our House. Um, I've got a band that if your TikTok algorithm is anything like mine, you've been seeing them like crazy lately. Um, and that's a band called Definitely Maybe. Awesome little pop punk outfit uh, based out of Chicago and just really killing it, blowing up with their new stuff currently. 
Um, and then on musicians for mental health, the conversation that I'm going to be recording very, very soon, uh, is with Garrett Russell of Silent Planet. That episode is going to be absolutely incredible. So be sure you subscribe, um, and stay on top of everything. So as always, I appreciate everything that you guys do for me. Be sure you like, share, subscribe, follow the Instagram and Facebook, but most importantly, the podcast itself as well. Um, all of that stuff does help me land these guests because management labels and PR are looking at those numbers for me as well on how many, you know, how much impact I'm making. Um, and so the more that you guys are listening, sharing, subscribing, things like that, Uh, those numbers obviously grow. So thank you for everything that you guys do. And remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.